When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yes, yes. Welcome in to another edition of the Tim McKernan Show here on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. I love when I get to do intros for interviews that I know people are looking forward to listening to. That uh, gives me a... Uh, a great deal of happiness. And so I am in that position here today because our guest from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios presented by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies is Pat Maroon. And um, it's one thing to get the guest, which is a tribute to Iggy and Gangster Pete. It's another thing for the guest to live up to the hype that the name brings when you see it on your phone as you're scrolling through your podcast like oh sweet pat maroon's on but then like if i do a shitty interview or pat's not in the mood to talk i'd be like oh bad pat maroon on but tim sucked or pat wasn't in the mood to talk so the whole thing sucked that is not the case i say that with a great deal of confidence that's not the case um pat was pat brought uh, his son anthony in and uh and so i was thinking oh man you know, I know Anthony's going to be bored out of his mind by by me, um, and I know I want to go like 90 minutes, and we did. Um, but now if Pat's got his son here, maybe um, we'll only do like 15 minutes, and then I can't nerd out as hard as I want to nerd out. And Anthony, he was just like the coolest kid, super talented hockey player, too. I don't know if you've seen some of these videos. Uh, he was a great sport throughout the thing. I said at the end of the interview, he gets the number one star, uh, and Pat couldn't be better. I mean, you're just talking about just like the most – down-to-earth person. It's textbook hockey player, but just a just an entertaining down-to-earth. He's like, the, it's, it's cliche, but like we could sit there and have drinks and bullshit for like 10 hours and just say stupid shit and amuse the hell out of each other. And that's essentially what this interview was, except we were drinking bottles of water. Um, and and I, I loved it. And it was, and I'll tell you something else. Whereas oftentimes, even though I don't write anything down or type anything out for these, um, there's usually kind of a a trajectory, so to speak, um, even though there are certainly digressions. And this one, it's we get it all there, but it's an absolutely no semblance of, of order. It's almost like I had a, I, 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 I wrote out all the questions that I wanted to have, ripped them up and put them in a hat. And that's the order they were asked in. Cause we just, we, we wound up covering it all. It was just all over the fucking place. That's me. But that's because we were just talking about random shit, which is why Pat, for my money, if he wants to do it, will be a great broadcaster because he's amusing. And it's, it's kind of TMA esque, uh, as in the radio program, uh, in that it's just, we're just bullshitting and it's all over the map, but we eventually, 
uh, cover everything that I think a St. Louis Blues fan would want to hear. Of course, we talk about his free agency. Of course, we talk about Game 7 against Dallas. Um, but we go into uh, elements, behind-the-scenes things, I think things that probably have never been said before uh, about the run, about his experience. Um, it's just, you know, it's, 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 you know, I do these things and obviously I'm present for them. I think I might go back and listen to this one. Uh, Gangster Pete, of course, in the homeloanexpert.com studios, I posted that we did this interview on social media. And the first question I received was, did Gangster Pete cry? Gangster Pete, I will uh, let you answer that question for yourself. I teared up a little bit when he's talking about the family. It happened again. So we ha- have we done a Blues interview since they've won the Cup where you did not get emotional? Honestly. No. 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 It's uh, happened across. So, so we've had Cam Jansen and Reed Lowe. We've had Craig Berube. We've had Doug Armstrong. We've had John Kelly, which still hasn't aired yet. Um, we've had young Page Views and Cam. And now Pat Maroon. And have you gotten tears in every single one of those? Yeah, I have. I mean, and you're fine with it. There's not. There's nothing to be. There's nothing to be embarrassed by. You're like, comfortable enough to say you have. No shame in my game. Yeah. I've been literally waiting my whole life for this. And you got it. And now you got to sit here and watch the guy from Oakville who won Game Seven of the second round and who just won the cup and just literally like five days ago had his day slash weekend with the cup. Uh, bullshit about it. It's just you know. I I love the interview. I I really kind of just wanted to go. Here's Pat Maroon, but. <laughs> You know, because I know that's what everybody cares about anyway. But I, I wanted to give my uh, my thought process on on the interview uh, before you hear it to say stick around uh, throughout the whole thing because we're all over the map. Hell, we talk, we talk a lot about golf, uh, and I didn't even realize he played that much, but clearly he's into it. And in you know, he's a member at Meadowbrook, which is where so many Blues alumni are members. And they're really good players, and he's in his he's in the A Flight Club Championship. But he was telling me he's like a nine four handicap. I don't know what's going on at Meadowbrook, but uh, it must be a rebuilding year. So, uh, but good for Pat, and uh, and so we bullshit about golf quite a bit. Obviously, bullshit about the Blues run, and uh, it's you know I'm I just I, I think you'll be very happy with it. Um, you're always welcome to send feedback, guest requests, questions for questions from the audience. I'm back from vacation, so that will resume. Uh, T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com. Email me anytime. Always enjoy hearing from the audience, questions from the audience, feedback on the guests, whatever the case might be. Um, our sponsors make this thing possible. That's the bottom line. Without Ryan Kelly, the HomeLoanExpert.com. Without Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Without James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. Without... Uh, Seth Goldcamp and Design Air Heating and Cooling without Johnny Landoff Chevrolet, we would not have a podcast. It's just that simple. That's that's the game. It is a business. As much as I love doing this, and candidly, I would I would do it for free. I'm lucky enough as a St. Louisan to be able to sit here and and relive this stuff with these guys and bullshit with them. Uh, it is a business, and support the sponsors because that's how we keep the business in business. So please do that. We're very grateful to the sponsors for for making the thing possible. Our studio sponsor is Ryan Kelly, thehomeloanexpert.com. Man. Had a house a couple doors down from me. Go on the market. I go out of town for 10 days. It's already under contract. It's just happening so quickly. It's a great thing. It's a great thing. Uh, Take advantage of it. And uh, you can refinance. And the home values continue to go up. Ryan Kelly's the place to go. And be armed if you want to buy a house because they're moving quickly. Go to thehomeloanexpert.com. Whether you want to refi or whether you want to buy a home, be pre-approved with thehomeloanexpert.com. Ryan Kelly and his incredible staff who actually comes up in this interview with Pat Maroon. 
this is a Mad Libs game, man. If you like, it's like a bingo card. Like, I mean, name, name, name. Mike Trout comes up in the thing. Uh, we're all over the place. The, the detail we go into in golf, um, the detail that Pat goes into on his game-winning goal, like Baruby did it to an extent. Now Pat just took it to another level. The, I mean, things that stood out to me, obviously we talk a lot about the free agency and the decision process, but I think, I think the team's mentality for game six against the Bruins and game seven against the Bruins really really stood out. Um, and I'm anxious for, for you to get a chance to hear that because um, it was just so candid. I love it. And I hadn't met Pat before, you know, and he might be like, okay, I said I'd do it. These guys have been texting me to do the show. I'll come in. I'll do 20 minutes and I'll get out of here. And instead we went, Pete said, I think the exact number was 85 minutes. And his son's sitting here the whole time, you know, putting up with me asking all these questions. God bless him. So it was great. It was, it was great. So there's nothing else to say. I need to get out of the way and let you hear it. Pat Maroon, presented by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies here on the Tim McKernan Show from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios on the Inside STL Podcast Network. Pat, thanks so much for coming in, man. Hey, thanks for having me, Tim. Appreciate it. This is, uh, this is one I've been wanting to, to have for a while, so it's super <laughs> cool. I'm going to go down memory lane, but I also want to find out here over the last couple of weeks what this has been like because I see these videos popping up and I see these pictures popping up of your day with the cup, and it looked like that was... That was pretty sick. Yeah, it was a good time. Uh, we really enjoyed our time at the Cup and uh, just enjoying my family and certainly my friends and people with the community. Uh, All-American was a great turnout. We had over 354 people show up. We made it a private event because it would have been tough because I'm from St. Louis. There probably would have been 10,000 <laughs> fans there, uh, which I wouldn't mind, but then it takes time away from the thing I really loved to do is to celebrate with the cup and what I worked so hard to do. So, but I want to make sure I gave back to the community and all the people. And then uh, obviously Charlie Gito's was a great turnout. There was probably hundred plus people in there, just that little area inside. Yeah. So uh, that was a really good turnout as, as always. And uh, to do that, cause my, obviously my fiance is a Gito, but obviously she, her mom married a Vangle. So, but her grandfather's Charlie Gito, so yeah. it, was, it was really neat to really bring it there, all the history there and all the all the baseball players that come in there. And, you know, I'm grateful to be married into that family for all the things they do for me. So it was a really neat, neat, neat Stanley Cup party. And then taken out to the ranch, uh, so with a lot of stuff to do, a lot of boats, a lot of wave runners, and a family opened up their, their home for us and kind of – let us celebrate with uh, 150 people and really got together and really enjoyed our time together. So Cam was along for the ride. He Cam, enjoyed it. Yeah, Cam was <laughs> there. You had a nice weekend. Yeah, Cam, Cam was there. We had a blast. And, uh, you know, it's just good for the kids. You know, you know, everyone, I'm not a young buck anymore, so all these young kids take it to a club or take it to a bar and they really celebrate. I really wanted to go bar hopping. I really wanted to do all that stuff, but it takes the fun out of my son. I think people don't realize I do have a 10-year-old son. And he is in the studio he with is us in here. The studio. Anthony is here. And I think people don't realize that, you know, Oakville Oakville people are really mad at me for not taking it to Oakville. But I certainly Oh, did. is that right? I didn't know that was yeah. the case. Uh, well, but when you take it to the Like Barney Stone and Sports of Pub. Of course. And all those local bars. But they got to remember, I have a 10-year-old son, and I can't just be going bar hopping, you know. Right. And But so I think the, what we did bringing it out to the farm my son got to go tubing he got to go 
kayaking. I mean, he did. I mean, he did so much stuff that <laughs> he got to enjoy the day with us instead of his dad just going out and uh, going out with his friends and going to all different bars. So that was the most important thing for me. So I sorry all my Oakville fans and that uh, I didn't bring it there. That's the reason why I didn't bring it there. No hard feelings. I love Oakville. That's my home. And uh, maybe one day if I win it again, I can bring it back. That's awesome, man. Well, to, to have Anthony here and to experience all of this with your son, um, I would imagine there's so many elements of this that make it incredible. I want to I want to go back to the beginning of the season and get your perspective on what was going on. Um, because as we were talking before we, we started, I went to a game, I think it was the Friday night after Thanksgiving, you guys were playing the Predators, beat the hell out of them too, kind of showed what the team was capable of, but it was obviously was inconsistent at the time I was sitting there with your brother. Uh, Phil was there with young page views and, and it was, it was a mess at the time. I think it was Bruby's first home game as coach. What were you thinking as a guy who's been on some good teams was going wrong in the first couple of months of the season? If you can look back and think back to the fact that the cup champions were in disarray. I think finding an identity for yourself as a player and a team, you know, when you get a bunch of new faces on one team and uh, the St. Louis Blues went a different direction, you know, trading their, not signing their captain, get, not signing Troy Brower where they went to the conference finals with the guy, with these guys. And, uh, not bringing some guys back and to bring new faces in like O'Reilly, Tyler Bozak, myself, a um, couple other guys. And I think with that mix is some players are so used to playing with different players. And when you come in and you got O'Reilly coming in and it kind of affects a trickle down effect of where, where Shen should play or where, you know, Schwartz used to play. Should I put him with those two? You know what I mean? So I think guys were just trying to find themselves, try to find lines to click and, you know, it's all about coming in the room and making guys feel comfortable and not saying we weren't comfortable. I think it's just opened up to each other. We opened up to each other, but I don't think we were there yet. Mm-hmm. And then come January time, I mean, it was just a whole different view. Like, we were all best friends. Even though we were losing, we were so close. We came in and we just, like... It was just a weird feeling that, wow, this is truly amazing how we're coming together. But like you said, we'd win one, lose three, win Mm. one, and we're still trying to figure out that mojo. But we found our lines that clicked. Uh, We got the Schwartzy, Schenner, Tarasenko line Mm. back, and we found a good fit for O'Reilly with Perron. And I think, I don't know who was on his side, the left side there. Uh, And then we had the our line, Bozak and uh, Thomas and me, and then, that fourth line was truly amazing with Steiner, uh, Sunquist, and uh, Barbie. I think that was our best line consistently down the stretch. Yeah, and I think when you find those lines that we didn't have in the beginning of the year, that makes such a big difference. But when you're happy and you have that swagger in the locker room and you're joking around with the guys and you're having fun, you bring that out into the rink. And we didn't have that in the beginning of the year. I don't know why we didn't have it. I think it's because new faces, and new faces make you feel kind of uncomfortable a little bit because yeah. you don't know how to act around a veteran player you don't know how to act in the room. can we speak up so you you kind of just feel that way but it ended up being great you know steiner you know and petro and vladdy they just led us in the right direction and Ori was a leader on and off the ice and t- t- brought the young guys in and you can just feel the chemistry coming after the dad's trip the guys were just getting we were always getting along but it was just a very close bond, yeah. bonding team that I hope we can all come back together and stick together again. Well, that's great to hear you say that because you know I have to ask. 
I'm obligated to ask here. And then you're, and I know you got a shadow box, so I get the whole thing, but I got to do it because I'm kind of like, well, I don't know what, I'm, I'm glad that Pat's coming in, but like everybody wants to know what's Pat going to do. And you're like, I hope we can all come back together again. I go, oh, maybe Pat's planning on coming back. So where's, where's your head at as we speak? My head's wherever. You know, I, I, I'm 31 years old. I want to continue to play. I want to show people that I can play more. I didn't have a good year. I had a good end of the year. I thought I played really good. I thought I played my hockey towards the end of the year. In the beginning of the year, I think with back surgery, knee surgery, I'm not going to use an excuse because I never make excuses, but I should have took some time away from the game where just skating more because I didn't start skating to the end of August and I should have took till November probably to kind of just heal, let my bodies heal, let the surgeries kind of heal up and get used to it. And then I jumped into it and then I really wasn't prepared. But for me, I want to go out there and have a really good year. My my plan is to whoever picks me up, if it's St. Louis or the other 31 hockey teams that are out there, I want to go out there and prove people wrong again. I, you know, I've been a guy that's free agency hasn't been the best to me, but that just goes with the big guy kind of slow now. The game's changing in the right in the right direction. You know, there's a lot of pace to the game. A lot of it's starting to be a development league, which I can agree to disagree. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um, but I think the the game's changing in the right direction though, and. You know, it's going younger instead of older. There used to be a lot of veterans. Now it's kind of trending the wrong way. But hopefully what teams saw this year with where the Blues played and how that their identity, the big, strong, heavy game, is coming back again. You need that in the playoffs. You can see Tampa. Skill skill can win the regular season, but can skill win in the playoffs? Right. Tampa and Calgary, I think, would be two yeah. examples. And, uh, I mean, Pittsburgh, obviously, back-to-back champs, obviously – with that, but I thought Washington won against Las Vegas because they were big, heavy. They had some big, scary guys that protected and grinded down low. Um, so I think that trend is coming back and how we played. Yeah, so we'll see what happens with me. I think um, I'm just waiting. My agent's got some good interest for me, so we're just kind of waiting. A lot of restricted free agents out there that need to be signed. Uh, a lot of trades to be had. The cap isn't some teams are in trouble with the cap, so you know I'm looking for the best fit for Pat Maroon and my family. Uh, that's the most important thing is my family and certainly my son that's sitting next to me today. But uh, we'll see. It's it's going to be tough. Uh, uh, we all know my heart's here. I want a Stanley Cup here, but the Blues have to make business business moves, and that's that's the Blues. So me and Doug have a really good relationship. The Blues organization, coaching staff. So whatever happens is meant to be, and. Uh, it's kind of been a different free agency for me. Just kind of laid back. Last year I was more stressed, didn't know what to do. This year it's been, I just told my agent, you know, just get me whatever you think the best fits for me. We'll sit down and talk about it, and then uh, I'll talk to my family about it. What's the most important element in the decision for you? Number of years? No, I'm not looking for years. You know, I'm just looking for an opportunity. That's it. You know, I, you know, if I do get a two-year deal, great. If I don't, great you know what i mean i'm not i'm not we talked about it i talked to my agent about it two to one year deal great uh obviously if that two-year deal doesn't happen i'll take a one-year deal i'm not really pressing the market like saying i want a four-year deal i want a Mm three-year deal i'm not doing that Mm -hmm. no certainly not uh but yeah i think teams know what i kind of what i'm looking for uh two to one year but if i don't get that two then you know what that's that's okay Mm -hmm. it's just another stepping stone and 
and for me just to go out there and kind of earn my next one-year deal. You know what I mean? Yeah. If that's the way my career is going to go the rest of the year, my career is one-year deals down the line, then, hey, I'm playing something I do that I love every day, and I'm playing in the NHL, so that's all I can say. I would imagine, even if Anthony weren't sitting here, I would. I mean, he was one of the main reasons why you, you signed with the Blues last year. How much of, of that is a, is a factor? I mean, it's got to be such a real thing. It's so clear you guys yeah. are so close. Yeah, it's, it's certainly that was a huge factor in it. And for me, I looked at the best way for me to succeed. You know, New Jersey, Arizona offered, um, and who else? I think it was San Jose, maybe. And it's just, I was looking at teams where, for me, Anthony had a big factor. I, You know, those teams were really hard decisions for me to say no. You know, New Jersey treated me well. I talked to the uh, coach in Arizona. He talked very highly of me and, you know, wherever they play me. And me and Ray Shiro and John Hines really had a good relationship. Um, but, you know, I thought for me, what's the best opportunity for Pat Maroon? And I thought coming home to St. Louis, they traded for Ryan O'Reilly. They, mm-hmm. tra- they signed Tyler Bozak. They signed David Perron. Uh, they signed all these guys. And I was like, Wow. They're really going for it. They're, they traded for Ori, which is probably the best centerman in the game right now behind Patrice Bergeron. And um, I just think, I was like, wow, well, I can play up and down the lineup. I can play with Sunquist. I can play with Tyler Bozak. I can play with Shen. I can play with Ryan O'Reilly. There are so many opportunities mm-hmm. where I can fill the hole to make me a good hockey player. And the icing on cake was I'm from St. Louis, and my son is living here with uh, his mom and my fiance's from St. Louis. So it's just all this kind of kind of just flowed together. And that's why I made that decision because I had holes to fill uh, to come home and a chance to win. And I saw that in Arizona. I saw that in New Jersey. But I just felt like this was the best fit, the way I play. Mm-hmm. I can play with guys that grind it down low, play, play – I don't know, ground and pound hockey, I like to call it, below the top of the circles. Yeah. I get to do that, and I get to spend more time with my son that I've been away from for nine years. So eight months. So if I go, we went all the way to June, that's eight eight months of hockey? Yeah. Seven months of hockey, that would be away from Anthony. And, I mean, that's – and then I only get July and August for summer. I mean, that's – that's pretty hard that's on rough, me. That's rough, man. So um, I've, it's not like I haven't gone deep in the playoffs. I've been – First round, second round, conference finals, first round. So, and then I had surgeries in New Jersey, and I didn't get to come home. So I've been, I've been deep in the playoffs. Where I've come home, and I'm just like, our summer's already halfway gone. And, and it's not that I, I, don't love the game, but I'm saying that. But I'm just saying that, and you know, I really cherish my time with my son when I come home and take the time to you know, hang out with them and. Now these days, he's playing Xbox most of the day. But. <laughs> what are you on, Anthony, on that Fortnite? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's kind of where my – I probably got off track there, but that's probably where, where my decision came down to. And to be with Anthony and to be with my family, that was the most important thing. It was probably one of the best years I'll ever have in my hockey career. Not only winning the Stanley Cup, but really sharing moments with my son, my fiance, my mom and dad. My, my siblings mm-hmm. uh that was one of the coolest things i've ever been a part of and 
it will go down in history. Oh, my God. And I think the moments we had together, they caught on camera. I mean, you can't put a price tag on that. You never want to chase money. And, you know, money is always going to be there. Happiness will always be there. But family's first. And I just thought family would come first for me. That's that's why I wonder, like, if the moment comes, it's like, okay, this organization's put this on the table. The Blues do put this on the table. Like, it's, I guess I, I can sense. I mean, you're down to earth, legitimate, just guy and care so much about your son like it'd be ah how tough would it be to go i'm 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 taking off but it's good for my career i gotta do it i mean i would think it's it's kind of super tough to say great situation yeah but tough it is a tough situation i think now he's we've talked about he's old enough now to really in the beginning it was tough he didn't really understand it right he didn't know why i was leaving he didn't know why uh things were the way they are but now he really truly understands we've talked about it he's he always says you know do what you want to do and you know make the money if you can you know i'm always going to be here but um the thing is it's just tough though it really is tough and it's tough to leave him because i really got to see so much this year i got to see basketball games i got to see hockey games i got to go to his hockey practices i got to be a dad and I'm not saying I'm not a dad. I'm saying I get to be a dad for a full year. Right. And I've never had that before. And it's um, something that I've always wanted to do. And obviously, you, everyone's like, oh, you can do it when you retire. No, you can. But I've missed yeah. nine years of pretty much his sports. And I've FaceTimed him for nine years. And I through my dad would FaceTime me every game and just watch it through FaceTime. I mean, is that enjoyable? No, that's not enjoyable. So I think I got the opportunity to actually enjoy hockey games, enjoy basketball games, enjoy taking them to practice, um, enjoy just sitting down at the dinner table and hanging out with them and going to hockey games with me and actually showing what I do for a living every day, not just coming up for a week and thinking it's like (laughs) all roses. and, And, you know, you saw me go through hard times. You saw me, you know, struggle and he struggled with me and he was like when I came home and you know I tried to put a happy face on he made me smile so those are the things that really parent you know that I hear guys talk about in the locker room like oh you know at least I get to go home to my family you know what I mean I got to do that this year and I got to live that so that was pretty neat for me yeah but the thought process at this point are you still talking with the blues uh right now I you know there's my agent, I really haven't talked to my agent. Just be, I'm being honest. <laughs> Here this is there. a laid-back free agency. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's more laid-back. Like it's more laid-back because I was really, um, you know, I, I was going into free agency last year because I had two really strong years. I've put up really good numbers those last two years, and I thought I was going to get a nice three-year cushion where, you know, I can – enjoy myself, go to a team that has a chance to win a Stanley Cup. And have that security. And have that security. Obviously, it didn't go that way. I got offers that way. Uh, but St. Louis came knocking on the door. I said yes to that. So, But right now, we're just kind of just going with the flow. We're trying to see what's the best fit for me and my family. I think um, re- restricted free agents are trying to be signed. Um just moves cap space there's still a lot of numbers to be filled Mm -hmm. so something's going to happen i don't know when could be two days from now could be a month from now i really don't know but uh i'm not really putting too much stress on it Uh, i'm working hard 
every day, getting in the workout gym, uh, you know, skating. Just started skating last week. Uh, so, yeah, I'm just going to take some time, buy some time, enjoy the time with my son and my family. And we haven't really had a break to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Been a lot of stuff going on. Are you going to get to go on a vacation or anything? Or anything on the... Well, he's got the hockey tournament yeah. next week. You get the vacation. Are you going to Fort Wayne? That's not really a vacation for mom and <laughs> for, uh, my fiance and me. Oh, uh, you always wanted to spend a week in uh, Fort Wayne. Don't lie to me. Because uh, <laughs> we have to be up at 7.30 every day, take him to the rink, come back, take him back to the rink. So a lot of moving parts in hockey tournaments. But uh, we went to Tampa. Uh, I got the chance to play some golf. He was in a hockey tournament in Tampa. Like, I think the guys, the video you guys saw of him that went viral. There, yeah. Yeah. I got to golf. I got to have some alone time for me for a sec. But, you know, it's fun to take them. I, you know, it's really enjoyable. And these, like I said, but this is the only time I really got to see him play hockey if he didn't play roller hockey. So I got to see the ice this this past year as basketball. So that was cool. So, oh, yeah, so vacation. Uh, I don't got much vacation time. I have to <laughs> rush back for the celebrity softball game here on set next Saturday. So, how's your softball game? It's terrible. <laughs> Good thing I'm in a league. Good thing I'm in a Sunday league in Brentwood. So, if you guys want to come out and watch, yeah, let me know. It's promoted. It's promoted. Uh, I bet if you connect, though, you bomb. No, I can't. You right can't at, bomb? I'm bad. <laughs> when you're playing golf, I would imagine you can bomb. I can't do that either. Really? No, I, I mean, you I, eventually, like in five or ten years, you'll be one of those guys, like what McKinnis, Brodor, even Panger. Panger's good. Bombers. Bomb. Yeah, they just you'll bomb. You'll get it because you'll have your time, and then you'll work on your game. You're competitive, and then yeah. the next thing you know, you'll be hitting 300 yard yeah, drives and and playing with Panger. Yeah, I'm like 240, <laughs> 260 right now. It's just I got a new driver, so we'll see. I'm in my. Uh, uh, club championship tomorrow. Oh, really? So, well, you must have some game, unless this is like the Z flight. No, nah, I'm in the A flight. Look at you. What club is this? I got to ask. Meadowbrook Country Club. That play, Then you must have sick game. Uh, I'm okay. Me, Meadowbrook is like the place, for especially for Blues alumni. You're in the A flight club championship match? I don't know how. How to... Because I shoot, I shoot. I got to look my, into your gin. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna look up your gin yeah, right you now. As a look matter of fact, I'm gonna get to the bottom of this because this uh, is the stuff that fascinates me. Uh, I think I just made the cost. I should be B flight, but they're really pushing me to play A flight. I think I'm a nine point three right now. Wow! All right, I'm a ten point one. We gotta go out there. Yeah, I'll, get one, I'll go, go, get one pop. See how see how it goes. You can, you'll probably beat me. I'm not. <laughs> You're in the club championship, but Meadowbrook is the place. I got the new. I got the my new irons, Mizuno's, and I can't hit them. Right, Ant? How, how many times did I duff the ball? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can't hit them right now. I've my score went from. I mean, I shot a ninety four the other day, and I was so bad to the point my drive was consistent down the pipe every time and every shot i would take it would just duff i would just duff the ball i can't hit these you have to hit these new specs. They like blades yeah the new oh. specs i got yeah. on them are just like i guess new blades or whatever you call them people say it differently but they just i just can't hit it really? I, you have to hit like the sweet spot to make it like great contact where'd you go to get them uh pro-am pro-am right, right. Up the street sure there. of course absolutely so I, you hit the green. One one green in regulation. I did. Well, I played in this. Uh, we went down to, uh, long, short story, but we went down to Texarkana, Arkansas, where I played juniors. My old billet dad uh, flew us out there. Actually took care of us. Got us a private jet. It was really cool. Nice, nice, and, nice. Uh, we went down there, and there was a pro-am tournament, and I got to play with some of the pros, and 
Uh, the first day was a pro-am shootout. No, pro-am uh, scramble. So the pro plays his own ball, and then you have a three-man scramble. Yeah, yeah. So we did that. We did really good. We actually 11 under. We were uh, fourth. Fourth we were, place? We were one away from winning money. Nice. And uh, there you go. So my son knows. And then the next day was a, a pro-am shootout. So it's all the so it's the top at that level. I don't know. It's like um, it's like for the women, it's like double A. For the men, it's like A. Uh-huh. That's what they kind of the caddy for the, his daughter was saying. Like you know, these women are some of these women are on the tour. Some of these aren't. Okay. So for the men's, it's a little harder for the women, but they took the best five women with the most points throughout the year and the best five men's. And they said, well, we want Pat to come and play first them. So I did that. So, I mean, it was, those guys were piping it down. The yeah. wall. And I'm in the bunker. <laughs> I get up there and I shoot my second shot. I'm from the fringe. I chip on. I'm pretty close. Missed my par putt. So I bogey. So next hole, I get up there. I didn't get eliminated this time. Next hole, I hit the tree. I'm like, oh, God. What, tee shot off the tree? Yeah. Perfect. Land straight down, hits right in the uh, women's tees, right in the front. Oh, that's got to be great. And I'm like, so I'm like, it's two, an emasculating moment. Emasculating moment. So 250 out, I'm sitting there, I'm like, oh, boy. Oh, what should I do? So I bring my hybrid out there. I said, if I can just hit my hybrid up there, get it on the fringe, whatever, maybe chip in a putt. I'm like in, my feet are in the cart path, and my ball's just on the fringe. We had a player ball down. So I'm like, God. <laughs> that so I try to kill it. My feet go flying. The ball goes up in the air. I just duff it. The best part was the guy in the back was saying, "Hey guys, heads up, Maroon shooting." <laughs> Little did they know, my ball duffed up in there, and it goes about like fifty yards, maybe eighty yards. So I'm like 173 yards out. I'm up again. I'm like, God, I can't duff this ball again. So I get up there. I'm 173. It was kind of windy. I was like, all right. I was thinking like seven irons. So I was like, all right, smooth six. It's smooth. Don't try to kill it. Just get up there and hit it. I hit it, and I put it three feet from the pen. Oh, my. And the people were going nuts oh because my. they thought it was my birdie putt. <laughs> Little did they know. Yeah, I'm lying three. I'm lying three. <laughs> but the closest to the pin at every hole got money. So I was closest to the pin. You're closest to the pin. But I didn't get money because it was my Because you're the third shot. Third, third shot. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so Do you get nervous in these events? I was a little nervous. It's, it's an amazing thing to me. Like I played uh quite a bit with, with Jim Edmonds while we were down at spring training. And and it's so he goes, I get so nervous playing golf. I go, when you were in the World Series at Fenway Park in two thousand four, you're nervous. He goes, God, no, not at all. No. So when you're out there, game seven against Dallas, game seven against Boston. Are you nervous? No, it's just another game for us. Yeah, I think. and, then, I think and here you are playing in Texarkana in like a scramble. <laughs> well, like, yeah. It was funny. My fiance and Anthony were saying, and my billet dad at the time were saying, these guys want to be able to skate or play hockey or these or these <laughs> yeah. women. So why are you nervous? Just hit the ball. Like, just hit the ball. So messed up. I can't explain it. I'd love to hear a theory on it. But, but I think are. golf is such a cool sport in that way because it's just that little ball and you got – your irons that are barely come up to your belly button. And you well, it depends have, on who you yeah, are. To me, they're over my head. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and you're just trying to hit this ball, but I was, like, freaking out. I'm like, God, I got to just put it down. Like, my first drive was unbelievable. 
Like, but I, I ended up in the bunker, but it, I was pretty close to all those guys, so I didn't feel like that bad. Mm-hmm. But it was nerve wracking a little bit because, you know, these guys play every day. Yeah. And oh yeah. I don't. I didn't want to embarrass myself because you have that competitive edge. If whoever played a sport in their day is. No matter what, you're always going to be competitive. That's the nature of the beast. That's why so many guys who play professionally then get into golf. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So even in softball, like I'm determined to play good. Like, but yet you acknowledge you're you're in a rebuilding year, so yeah. to speak, at Brentwood. <laughs> I'm terrible, but you don't want to embarrass yourself. Absolutely, because so, people are like, "Oh, this is the big bad Pat Maroon," yeah, and then I can barely get it out of the infield. So it's kind of like. <laughs> so and people are just like who is this guy like shouldn't he be like bombing the ball but i'm more of like a single guy like i like to get get on base and kind of just enjoy it you know? just I'm, more of an in, I'm more of an infield guy like i like to like be shortstop or second base and kind of like you know see if i still have it a little bit i mean if i were managing a softball team I'd be like maroons at first base that's just where he goes. he goes or maybe at catcher we got a, we got this big guy at first base that <laughs> we should just keep him there <laughs> so so you were in the club who are you playing are you playing like pang or something i mean Meadowbrook is no timmy pale you know timmy peel the ref yes i think he's in it i think um i got the lister i don't know if P- pangers in detroit though he's um he's certainly he should come back, but I don't think he is. But I think um, I think Timmy Pale's in it. He says he's not playing, but maybe we don't. I don't know. So I'm going to try to get him to play. Uh-huh. So we'll see. Um, but we got some good uh, good players in there. Marty Berdur might be in there. He's a player, big time. A lot of Blues alumni out there. Um, have you ever played with Hull? I have not played with Hull, but I game. I heard he's unbelievable. Game. The caddy, the caddy was that was caddying for the girl. Uh, he said he was always in those pro am uh, celebrity ones. Yeah, 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 that play, and he's like, he can compete. Oh yeah, well when, when they had the U.S. Open qualifier at his place last year at the turn, he was he was qualifying for the U.S. Open the next regional. I mean, he was really? in the mix. Yeah, I mean he's that he's that legitimate. Um, I've played, let me ask you this. This is a golf slash hockey question. I was on the, the, uh, tee box on the practice range last year on Sunday at Bell Reeve before the final round. And I was standing next to McKinnis and I had just interviewed, I've played with Marcus Allen. I don't, you know, he lives here random as hell. Marcus, Marcus Allen running back running Raiders back. chiefs. Yeah. Lives in St. Louis. Why? <laughs> That's a great St. Louis native response. <laughs> Let's see. He played at USC, played for the Raiders in LA. Why is Marty Berdur living here? What's going on? That's, that's our next delve into the podcast. Uh, his wife's or fiance's, I don't know what the official arrangement is. Family is from there. Oh, okay, yeah. on, on the, uh, we got a guy skate with us too. That's a weird story. Chad, um, I don't even know how to pronounce. He's a defenseman for Pittsburgh. Married a girl. Now he's moved. Bar Is that right? Record. I'm like, St. Louis brings so many athletes, and they and they would never guess it while they're playing. No. And then all of a sudden they wind up moving here. Mm-hmm. So I was playing with him, and he came in and did the show, and we've played a few times. And I said to him, I said, if you focused on golf as opposed to baseball or football, because he was a very good baseball player too, growing up, could you have played professional golf? And he goes, Yeah. He goes, I, I don't want that to come off the wrong way, but I think I could have. So I'm sitting there with McKinnis, and of course, with the slap shot he has, and now he's a hell of a player too, we're just BS and watching, you know, that was a hell of a practice range with those final groups of Tiger and Kepka and, and everybody that was out there. And I said, I, I interviewed Marcus Allen, and he said he thinks he could have done it. If you, with the ability you have, 
would have just focused on golf instead of hockey, do you think you could have? He goes, he goes, Mark is such a great athlete. Maybe he could have. I just don't think I could have. I just don't think I've got that ability. So now you play, you love it. Plus you're professional athlete, highest levels, a Stanley cup champion. Do you think if you would have focused on golf as opposed to hockey growing up that you could be a professional golfer? No, I wouldn't even come close. Didn't That was an insta call. Didn't even mess with it. No, I just think those guys are so good watching those guys. And just to see like our pro, for example, that shot in our foursome that day, shot six under. <laughs> and that's what, and they're like A. So they're not even, he's like, I haven't even been to the web.com. Really? So it's just like. Just to be a golfer is just hard in itself. It's so hard to make it. The guy that was talking to me, I forget his name. I have his card in my wallet, but he he was telling me it's easier for women to make it. Not easier, but because There's like, less competition. Not less competition. I think uh, the field is. It's not a bigger field than the men's. There's a lot of you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I think watching the women, I think they're smoother than. Oh them. yeah, they had the more fundamental swings. I mean, it was like every swing they had, it was just steady yep. down the middle, two hundred eighty yards. It was just like, it was, it was better to watch them than the men, I've just heard. because it was just like how mechanically just mechanical sound. and sound and how they hit the ball and the draws, yep. and everything they do to make it themselves in a good position. It was really neat to watch, but. I'm not trying to make this sound mean. I'm I'm just saying, like, for men, it's, like, I guess it's, like, very, very hard to make. And I'm sure it's hard for women to make it. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying it's probably a bigger field, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, of course. Absolutely. A bunch of people are growing up trying to do it, you know. It, it, it's so that guy shot six under, and I was like, are you, like, I mean, that's unheard. Like, you shot six under, like, and you're still trying to make it? He's like, he's like, yeah, but these are courses we play competitive when – we go out to the tour events, like you're playing courses and greens that are just like undulated and yeah, super fast, super fast. Absolutely. And he's like, it's it's a it's a lot harder. Like I'm playing a course. He was from Texarkana. He's like, I'm playing a course I play every day, but he's like, I still I said I don't care how many times you play this course every day, six under, going out there and just shooting. I mean that's, you should be somewhere right. If it's Joe Blow's course or, like, anyone's course, I mean, that's unheard of for me. And just to see his swing and his just his saves for par. Yeah. We're just like, there's one shot he hit in the tree. He chipped out, and then he was, like, 150 yards out. He put it, like, two feet from it's the pin. It's just, like, it's just sickening. His putting was just, like, unheard of. But I, And then I, I was just, like, I'm blown away because these guys are only going to win 20 grand if they win. I know. And they're out there just grinding, grinding, grinding driving oh, all over the driving. country. They're, the guy I was talking to, they're from Tennessee, so they drove the Texarkana, and then he's driving his daughter out to California for a tournament. So these people oh drive all over the world to play, and the best part is they have to pay right. to get in these yep. tournaments. Yep, 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 yep. Well, do you remember Unless what? you pay, like, that uh, Q school up front kind of thing. It's I think he said it was, like, I might be wrong, so people might say something on Twitter here. But fifteen hundred, I think it's like or two thousand. You pay up front, and then mm-hmm. you're good for the whole year. But I mean, they have to go through Q school. Yeah, you have to go through so many levels of Q school, and and I mean, it was 
I couldn't believe it just to see these kids strike the ball and how they were hitting it. I was just like, okay, this is this is. I don't get it why these guys aren't on different the world. Well, I, well, remember Mark Mulder? Do you remember him pitching for the Cardinals? I heard he's unbelievable. He is, and so he used to win all those those celebrity events until Romo came along. Now Romo's been winning them, and so I had Mulder on, and we were BS, and we spent more time talking golf than baseball. And I said, do you ever think when you turn fifty, maybe going on the Champions Tour? He goes, dude. He goes, I play with Pat Perez and Ches Reeve out in Scottsdale all the time. And I'll shoot like a 68, and I'll be like, yes, I finally beat him. And they're just barefoot drinking and not even paying attention. They shot a 65 effortlessly. He goes, it's like the equivalent of an A-ball player coming up to the big leagues. They might get a hit one out of 20 times, but there's such a difference between A-ball and the big leagues. He goes, you just don't realize how good these guys are. They have 12 different shots, the low cut, the, the high fade, you know, you know, whatever. And they can do it all, and you just don't realize how good they are. So while I'm good, I'm nothing in comparison to these guys. Oh, yeah. And it's just a different world. Like Tyler Bozak. Is he a player? He shoots from 66 to 75. Yeah. And it's just crazy how smooth and... But then you watch him, and then I watch these guys. It's not even... They're totally <laughs> it's a different world. They're different animals. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? And he barely plays. But he lived... I think if he would have stuck with golf, I think this is a good question for him. If you ever get him on here, I think if he would have stuck with golf, because he was a member of country club, his parents were, and he played every day, every day. I think if if he didn't, wasn't Canadian boy and played hockey, mm-hmm. I think if you brought him to, like, the States, if he lived in the States, he would have been a golfer. Really? He was, he's that good? He's, yeah, got, he's, he's just got that skill? He's got that. He's got that yeah. skill. That's a guy that doesn't barely plays and then goes out there and shoots. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. Drives you up the wall, too, doesn't it? <laughs> Especially him because he's just cocky, slow. <laughs> Comes with the territory. He's, my be- he's one of my best friends on the team, so I could say that. Hey, hope you're enjoying this conversation with Pat Maroon. I know I enjoyed having the conversation, and without our sponsors, we don't get to have these conversations. That's the business. The business is sponsors. The business is the audience listening to the shows and supporting our sponsors. Well, Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies is our guest sponsor, and first off, first-class guy, A number one. Secondly, I'm now 42 years old, and I just completely screwed up my 20s and most of my 30s. I just did. It bothers me. My dad kind of hazed me a little bit about it uh, on uh, on our family vacation. Like, out of nowhere, too. He sharp-shot me. And uh, and I got to be honest with you, it, it probably resonated because I'm like, yeah, I, he's right. You know, he's right. Um, and what what is he right about? Well, I just didn't, I didn't have my act together, you know? And, and it's not to say all of a sudden you meet with Mark and he's going to give you some kind of 40% return on investment. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking more about getting organized. And, and then having an idea of what you're doing with your money. That is the first step. The most important step from my standpoint is to be with somebody you know you can trust and somebody you know is going to put you on the right track. And I think psychologically, just knowing that you now have taken the first step to get organized, you feel better. You feel, you feel like you're in control of the situation. His number is 314-889-0503. That's 314-889-0503. Or go online at evergreenstl.com. Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies, our presenting sponsor of our guest, Pat Maroon. And James Carlton. I'm thrilled for James because James got involved with this podcast before we even did one interview. Our very first interview was Gary Pinkle. Uh, while I was in Hilton Head, as a matter of fact, played golf, played Harbortown with... Um, with a guy, you get paired with people. I was out there playing as a single. 
and uh, got paired with a guy who played at Kent State with Pinkle as his coach. Pinkle and Saban were graduate assistants, and this guy was a quarterback for a year at Kent State. Uh, I think he said 75, um, if I'm not mistaken. And, uh, and and when James Carlton got involved in this thing, and I was talking to the guy about the podcast, and I said, you know what, Gary Pinkle was my first guest on the podcast. And I was, really, I'm going to have to go listen to that since I uh, he was he was GA and I was, you know, quarterback. And James Carlton got on this thing. We hadn't even done the Pinkle interview yet. I didn't know what this thing was going to be. I'm so damn arrogant that I just assume it's going to be good. Uh, but I had no idea. And I look back on it and all the work all of our producers have put in to get these guests every single week. Oh, my God. If I could go back and change something, I'd change that because it's just the bar is set so high. But tip of the cap to the producers because they keep delivering. And James Carlton got on board. And so it's shows like this where I know a lot of people are going to listen that it thrills me for somebody who, you know, kind of made a bet on a, a speculative play and is getting paid off. That makes me happy. And on top of it, now that I've gotten to know James, I'm glad that he got on board because when James got on board with the podcast after getting to know him for about a year, I switched to James Carlton and it's been good for my family that I'm with James Carlton. I'm out of town for however long we are out of town, like 12 days, 11 days. And it was raining in St. Louis and we had water issues in our basement. And James is like, hey, it's raining here. I don't. I know you're out of town. If you want, I can go by your house and check the basement to make sure there's no issues. I'm just like, this guy's out of control. God bless him. How many insurance agents are going to do that? Oh, and he happens to have an incredibly uh, quality and large staff to make sure that when you call there, you're going to be talking to somebody. And considering you're talking about insuring your home, your life, your cars, you're taking care of your family, you want to make sure that you're able to talk to somebody and you're not just going through some big out of town, doing some goofy television commercial to distract you from the actual hard issues. That really drives me up the wall. Uh, I mean, what what's more important than, than insurance? And, you know, you've got all these little characters and animals pitching it. Hey, you know what it gets down to? The animals are lovely and it's wonderful. But you need somebody that you know you can talk to and who's going to take care of you. You know, look at animals at the zoo. Let's 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 get our family taken care of. James Carlton's going to do that. 314-961-4800 to go online at carltoninsurance.net. James Carlton, Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. If your insurance costs a leg and arm, call James Carlton State Farm. Now, back to Pat Maroon. I, I was I was asking you about what was going on in November and December and then how it changed in January. How much of that was Craig Berube? How much of that was Jordan Bennington? Uh, okay, so I, I I think you never want to see a coaching change go, Mike. You obviously, um, unfortunately, he someone has to go, and unfortunately, sometimes the coaches have to go, and uh, that's unfortunate. And then I think Craig came in; he really changed nothing against Mike or anyone. I think he really just changed our identity as a team and what we really were. I don't think we knew what we we had; we didn't know what I what our identity was, and. I think he gave us an identity, and we stuck with it, and it started working. And guys were like, okay, it's starting to work now. Like, where was this the first, what, 30 games? Right. Um, and we were kind of a dump-and-chase team. As boring that sounds, we're not an East-West. We're not an East team. East East teams are more off-the-rush, creative, um, you know, East-West in the neutral zone, we were more north-south, which what I mean by that, DDD right up, DDD right up, DDD right up, 
and go in, contact, second guy coming, get the puck, high to low, get to the front of the net. Kind of boring stuff. But people are like, geez, they just repeat themselves. But that's that was our game. That was our game. Cycle and we're in the opposition mm-hmm. down. We're in the D down. And I think Chief really gave us that identity. But he hold he he held every player in that locker room accountable. It didn't doesn't matter if you're the best player on that team or the fourth line to out of lineup guy. He he treated everyone the same. So it didn't matter if you're a star, healthy scratch, in the lineup, out of the lineup, he treated everyone the same and he held each player accountable. And if you didn't want to play your way, he wanna play or he'd tell you why. Uh so I think that's we needed that. We needed a little F you yeah. in the locker room, a little like wake up, you know what I mean? This is this is my this is how good we are. Just do what we're supposed to do and we'll start to win hockey games. We're not this fancy team that's gonna go east west and pull up and drop passes and three on twos. We're not that team. If the lane's there, take it. If the three on two's there, take it. Be creative. I'm not telling you to take that out of your game. But when we play this way, we're effective and we're good. And he held everyone accountable and he made a huge difference in the locker room and he kind of had that F U mentality. Yeah, that's the way I would describe I, I understand I, I interviewed him we about it three weeks ago. Met with everybody individually, which doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal, but I guess guys like that that they could hear it directly. Yeah from him and you knew where you stood and it's kind of like this is the way it is if you don't like it and he had the credibility of being a badass in the game for a number of years and i would imagine that's got to resonate with guys it, it commands respect i would think i mean yeah, well, I it really does playing over a thousand games for what he did and fighting bob probert right. three times <laughs> yeah, in one game i mean yeah. what are you going to say to the guy <laughs> uh, but no i just think he just had that energy like he was positive he was he could be mean um he he had that relationship with guys where you know he joked around he had a personality that guys want in a lot mm-hmm. the new generation of hockey is like recycling coaches it's like no get a guy that can communicate with your guys and players and have a relationship with them and i thought chief did a really good job of having a relationship with guys and communicating and sitting got down with guys having one-on-one conversations and calling them i mean he he was a really good guy for that and at the time i was struggling i'll give you a little example i was struggling in the beginning of the year i had one goal in like four months of hockey and he's like patty you're not playing because i don't know what to tell you but you're not playing but when i put you in play how you're supposed to play like i've coached you in philly like i know how you're capable of playing you'll get on the power play you'll be front we need you in the lineup just don't worry about scoring i know it's a big numbers game for everyone it really is a numbers game in the nhl yeah and i just listened to him and I, then i had like six goals in eight games and i was on fire <laughs> and i started getting points i had a little point streak going and then i right in the playoffs i've was feeling it had a really good playoff so it's just sometimes you need to hear a little positivity so that's where I was at and to have someone tell you that and like talk to you and obviously he healthy scratched me which was fine was that that pissed you off or how do you feel about that when that happened you're mad but then again you're like I sucked (laughs) that's it like you know you can be mad all you want you can be upset all you want but you know and I'm a guy that takes it personal so I do get mad and I do get pissed off but then again, you talk to your fiance and your kid, you're like, you stunk. That's it. <laughs> Anthony was laying it out for no. you. <laughs> so, like, there's – but then you don't see it because you're the player, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so then, yeah, so I, 
I took it how I took it, and obviously you're upset and you're worried about getting waived. You're worried about getting traded, and deadline's coming up. I'm not having a good start. It's January now. Is it tougher happening in your hometown? I would imagine it's got to be it's tougher. It's more embarrassing, I would say. Yeah. I was more embarrassed being healthy scratch in front of my friends and family uh, and certainly fans, and I took a lot of heat in the beginning of the year. I took a lot of heat from the fans, which negativity is on social media is a joke, I think. I think it's all BS. Do you look at it? I want to, I do look at it because I would be lying if I didn't. Right. Um, that's why I got rid of Instagram, just because people are just they're so disrespectful. They don't know what players go through in life, and they don't know what players go through at home or away from the rink, and they just expect them to go out there and score 20 goals because they did the year before. You know, you're not. That's not going to happen. No one's going to be a Vlad- Vladimir Tarasenko. I'm sorry to hate to break it to you. <laughs> it's not going to happen. It's not going <laughs> to happen. No one's going to be, you know, a Braden Shen or Jordan. Look at Jaden Schwartz. Yeah. Look how much he's struggling. And look what his playoffs. So, yep. like, people are so f- far to judge. And and Blues fans, they deserved it. But they're the most <laughs> negative fans I've ever heard in my entire life. Oh, Just from re- reading, like... Facebook and all my buddies like, oh, the, the Blues are out. They're down 3-2 against Dallas. Another year goes by, another choke Blues. I'm just like, shut up. Like, it's not even over yet. Like, Well, so that night, it's funny. So we were talking about. Uh, but I'm not saying like, sorry, Blues fans, but I'm not disrespecting you guys. I'm just saying like you guys are very loyal, very passionate. You guys were just waiting for something for so many years. You finally got it, but. Let's tone down the negativity on your team here. Like me being from St. Louis, I literally saw top to bottom from all the people. And I used to read it all the time because I'm from St. Louis. So like people would be on Facebook and Twitter and just dogging the blues. I'm like, God, like what's wrong with these? They're a good hockey team. Sometimes you, it's the hardest trophy to win. It's okay that they lost in the conference finals. It's okay. They lost in the second round. They're, they're right. Just think how close they are. And then we finally did it, but, like, it was hard the first four or five months. That's what I was wondering. I mean, oh it's one thing to have a rough God. time, but it's your hometown and it's this organization. And like <laughs> I said, I was I was with – I happened to be with your brother at that game, and he goes, man, I grew up. And he goes, I love the Blues, but then at the same time, the fans drove me up the wall oh growing up. God. And so now I'm cheering for the Blues, but, God, it's while my brother's out here struggling, and it makes it all the more tough. But you're the guy living it, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's got to be brutal. Oh, it was brutal. But uh, – <laughs> I got through it though. I, you know, some of it's funny. Some of it's kind of like, okay, guy, like, <laughs> do you really know how to skate? You know what I mean? I know that's the thing. Do you really do you ever know? Respond to these do you, things? Do you no, ever... my fiance probably gets in a Twitter war with a lot of them. But, <laughs> but like, it's it's guys that like you look at them on Twitter, you're like, what? <laughs> you really just chirp me? Like, what are you? Do you even know how to skate or even know what icing is? But it's guys like that that troll you. But Again, it's funny because, you know, they do care. The fans care here, and they really wanted success, and they just thought another Blues team, another team that's going down, last place on January 3rd. So I get the frustration. I really do, 52 years in the making, and they still haven't made it to the Stanley Cup Finals in how long? What, going back to 70? Yeah, so it's 49 years. 49 years. Yeah, so I think they were just a lot of frustration, but – even in the playoffs, you get from January 3rd to almost winning your division. Right. And 
we beat Winnipeg. Great team. Great team. Probably one of the best teams all year in the league. And but we're tied. We're up two nothing. We come home. We lose two, and you're just like, "Oh, they're done. The season's <laughs> over." It's just like, just let it play out because you never know what's going to happen. Absolutely. And, I, and same with the Dallas series. Oh, it's over. It's over. Well, I was going to ask you about that because I happen to be with. We're talking about young pages. I happen to be with him. Made sure we got together after that Friday night game, and he. I think he sat with your family. Yeah. And you guys got booed. When you lost to the Stars in Game 5 at home that Friday we night. Did. We did. And he's all fights. Me, Page Views, and my wife. And we're just BSing up at Olive and Oak. And he's like, dude, I still think they're going to win. I go, so do I. I said, it's the weirdest thing. I think they're going to win the Cup. And he goes, so do I. And I go, he goes, but I'm so pissed off, man, because I was sitting with Pat's family. And they're getting booed. And they're talking about bad Pat's playing. And they're going to lose. And he goes, it pisses me off because we're so bad up to January 3rd. He goes, man, it just pisses me off. He goes, they're going to win tomorrow. I said, I think they're going to win tomorrow, too. My wife goes, you guys really think they're going to win the whole thing? I go, yeah, we do. And then sure enough, what was it like game five getting booed at home after beating Winnipeg, doing what you guys did to get there, and obviously didn't have a great game. What are you guys saying on there? Does that piss you guys off? Like, honestly, I, I'm curious. I Because I, I think I'd be pissed off if I was part of the team. Uh, no, it's just they were booing us all year, so it's kind of just like. <laughs> Good, it's our comfort zone. <laughs> yeah, it's, okay, we just got booed, but we haven't heard that before. But um, No, I think we just, Chief had that, he always had that swagger where, we're gonna win this. He came in the locker room after. He's like, we're winning. We're winning this That's series. What I asked him about Game Six. He goes, Yeah, we just felt comfortable on the road. Yeah. We figured we'd win. Yeah, I'm like, so, oh, great. Sounds good. So I, guess I don't have anything else for you. That's what he said. And we just went there. And uh, Ben texted me. I guess Young Page. Ben texted me and was just like, "How you feel?" Was this after Game Five or after Game? Yeah, four? I'm about to take my nap. He's like, "How you feel?" I was like, "Oh, I feel great. I think the team's gonna come out and bury them." And we came out, and we just absolutely just right out of the gates. You know what I mean? I was like, oh, okay, it's over. If we win here, it's over. We're going to go back home and win. Um, the only way we're going to lose if Ben Bishop, ben Bishop steals, plays, it. steals it. And he almost stole it. Yes, 64 did. shots on that. Um, what, a, what a heck of a game. He That's should, a classic. He should pat, pat himself on the back. Doing it in his hometown like that. One one game. Uh, the Bennington save. The Cagliano missed backhand mm. first, and then the Bennington save on Jamie Ben's wraparound. I mean, I can just go through the whole thing. It's but, a classic. It's an absolute classic. And then two St. Louis boys going at it. Uh, but, I mean, it was just a really neat game, but you just felt it. You felt it in the air. You felt it in the energy just from the fans on, from the players on. You know our team was going to win when we're joking around. <laughs> and you were joking around. Yeah, we are just having fun with it. I think – the problem is when we get too tensed up, the team gets quiet. But when we're having fun, it kind of starts with some of the veteran guys like what was Acme and or I. We like to have a good time and joke around the locker room, but just trying to keep the guys loose before the game. Like not before the game, but like the day before the game, just yeah. joking around, having a good time, and then after the game, before the game a little bit. But you just knew it, you know. And Tyler Bozak said, how cool would it be if we, we want to win on the road? We want to win on the road. So it was meant to be to lose at home in game six. <laughs> It'd be great to go up. Well, there he, and up nothing to get your wives or fiance. We just wanted to win on the road and celebrate <laughs> with the boys. Get on the plane. <laughs> Take me back to that moment where the puck's sitting there and you put it past Bishop to, to win that series. Because, I mean, that's 
that's that's that's David Freeze. I mean, that's now Pat Maroon. The, the, you two will be linked forever with moments as hometown guys that lit this region up. Yeah, it was. Uh... Can you can you picture that? What do you picture when when I say game seven, your game winner in double overtime? What do you see when I say that? Uh, I just hear Chief calling our our name, and we're just hopping over the boards. And we had this faceoff play, our line did all the last half of the season, a little less than half the season. Then during the playoffs, um, it was on the right side of the faceoff dot. Bozak's a right shot. So he's on his strong side to win it back. And Thomas usually comes around and picks the puck up. And the play would be he takes it, I pick the D, he goes around me, and then he finds me in the high slot or Bozak, or me me in the high slot of Bozak back door, or the D comes down back door. So it's kind of just a rotation, um, if that makes sense. If the D comes back door, Bozak stays high, and I go to the net kind of off the near post. And usually there's an opening. But Thomas, he has such good skill, amazing hands. He read the play differently. You know, Kleinberg and Dallas knew what we were doing. I mean, he toe-dragged Kleinberg, and then he toe-dragged me. And then it was like a clear half breakaway <laughs> inside the top yeah. of the circles. And Bishop kind of like challenged him to come out, and he hit the post, hit his back, and I'm like, oh, my God, there's the puck. And that's the goal I kind of score. It wasn't like a highlight real goal where, oh, my God. <laughs> and then I score, and I just went nuts. I just started skating around with my head chopped off. But <laughs> it was uh, it was a good time. Uh, certainly uh, a really emotional, cool day for me and my family. I mean, that obviously will go down in history. And uh, to see Anthony cry in the stands and me pointing up to him, I mean, that's it's every kid's dream of doing that yeah. and uh i've dreamt of that my whole life playing street hockey playing in the basement by myself and just like reenacting oh here comes whoever pat maroon scores double over t but i'm just using that example or just scoring a game-winning goal sure you know what i mean and much less in that situation yeah. and to do it in an old-fashioned way like a greasy goal the pucks is laying <laughs> right in the paint and i just reach over him and score that's that's the kind of goal i was going to score i wasn't going to score like an end-to-end -end yeah. double over t goal but um it was cool i mean it was a night that i will never forget and uh very emotional night very excited a lot of highs and lows but it was probably one of the best nights i'll ever live with your son there and that famous shot of him being emotional yeah and and then you guys seeing each other in the room afterwards. I mean those, those are those are things. It's like for real. Like if you're writing a movie and you're trying to build something up, you go, okay, we'll have this guy he came home to play and be with his son, and he wins it. He's from St. Louis, and they see each other. That's how the movie would end. That embrace in the room. I mean that's that's perfect. I mean no, it really is perfect. Yeah. If anyone wants to write a movie about it, let's do it. <laughs> yeah. I want to do an ESPN thirty for thirty on the thing. You okay, know? I think that would be good too. I think, uh, <laughs> Just, uh, I know some people are reaching out to me to write a book, but really, do yeah. do a little autobiography. Yeah, so we'll see what happens. I think I want to do the acting, though. I think I can be a good actor. <laughs> <laughs> George Clooney of Oakville. Yeah. <laughs> no, so, I, yeah, it was just a good moment for everyone. It was, it was perfect. I, and all right, I've already kept it. God only knows how long I've no, kept you're it. Good. I'm good. You're okay, good. you're good. You're good on time. All right, cool. I, you, you mentioned Game Six against Boston, and and how you guys could tell if you were loose. I mean, everybody going to that game around St. Louis that night. Yeah. 
thought it was it was over. It was over. I mean, for real. And we go down there. I'm I'm in the car with Page Views and Boris the Chinchilla. <laughs> Ryan Kelly's got us a police escort. I thought this was bat crap, but this is what we got going on. We're going down there. Uh, Page Views has his whole situation going on. He's on a high. We're like, this is unbelievable. This is going to happen tonight. And and unfortunately, the five on three and the Marshawn goal, and then the building just went. And then and then it was the, then I think it was the goal in the third period, early in the third period, that knuckler that got past Bennington. And then people were like, oh my God, it's not going to happen. And now, not only is it not going to happen tonight, well, that's one thing, but now the reality is got to go back up to Boston or else this whole thing is going to not even not even happen. That's the perspective of the fan base. What's the perspective of you guys? Uh, Were you tight before that thing? Because you're like, man, we can lift the cup. It's in the building, and we can lift it in St. Louis. Yeah, I, so for me, so for you guys, fans, I'll tell, because I'm sure you've got a lot of big following. Uh, for us, it was a little bit of stressful because – you plan to win, right? So you have to get a certain amount of tickets. You have to get people down in the family lounge. You have to, who can go down there, who's the guest. I mean, it was so stressful to figure everything out. And, and are they think, coming directly to you, or do you have somebody who's kind of handling this? We have to go through our ticket guy, which does a lot of, like our manager, technically, that does a lot of this, but, like, how many passes you need? Who's coming down in between the second period to come get them? So I had my fiance get all the tickets. I mean, family calling you. Can I get this person? Can I? Who's this? Can I, is my family allowed? This, this, and that. So it was just players go through a lot, and that sense of of the Stanley Cup Finals. I think people don't realize that. Like guys are from all over the world, so you have to deal with. Mm-hmm. families from all over the world that come into town and it was just stressful and you can tell it was tense it was quiet in the room it was just god this is so aggravating why can't we just have a 20 tickets for everyone and just it'd be a lot easier and you can just get everyone and no you have to buy this you have to buy this buy this buy this so it was just very stressful for everyone and it took it's exhausting. It took a lot out of everyone, I think. And not saying that's an excuse, but it, it's, it goes a long way, certainly because it's on your mind, like, during the game, like, fuck, did my family get in? Do they get their passes? Mm-hmm. Do, you know what I mean? So so that's over with, thank God. And then we get on the plane, and we're just sitting there bullshit. It was me, Steiner. Steiner's to the – I'm sitting next to O'Reilly, obviously that famous picture – Steiner's across from O'Reilly and Tyler Bozak's across from me. And we played cards all year. And we looked at each other and we're just like, we're going to win. And just laughed. And just, we're back to normal again. We're back. This on is the, on the flight to Boston yeah. on what, Sunday night, Monday morning, whatever you guys Yeah, went up we there? won on a Wednesday. Yeah. And, you, and so we went up on a Monday. Okay. So we're like, we're going to win. And you just looked, knew it. We just knew it. We just looked at each other. It's like, we're going to win. Because we're back in our comfort zone. Like, we don't have to worry about tickets. We got mom and dad are coming, your fiance, kid. That's it. It's already over. St. Louis Blues are flying them, so we don't have to worry about siblings coming in town, anyone coming in town. My brother Phil actually came in town. Um, but I didn't have to worry about anything. Guys didn't have to worry. It's already set in stone. The tickets were already set in stone. You didn't have to get a certain amount of people down there, so it was less a headache, and we just said, okay, perfect, we're going to win. 
And that was when I talked to. And now you think about it, like Boston had to deal with exactly, all that. exactly. So it's 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 hard. It really is hard. The thing that's the, the, I, I dug this stat up, and I don't even know if you're aware of it, but I, this is what really worried me. You had to go back. It was like the 42 Leafs, something like that. 42, 47. Remember that stat, uh, Pete, for a team that was in position to to win the cup at home in Game Six, but lost Game Six, who then went on the road. In one game seven, and I was trying to like psychoanalyze it. It's like, okay, it's got to be so tough because you know it's in the building. It's probably a hundred yards away from your bench, and you've lost it, and now you got to go on the road. And psychologically, that's got to be so tough. But both Baruby and you both said we knew we were going to win, and, and and not to say like we knew we were the superior no, team. Yeah, but just no, mentally, we just mentally, yeah. yeah. And why do you why do you think that was? Because because the BS was back in St. Louis, and and you didn't have to. Yeah, I think that too, but I think. We were such a good road team. Oh my God! That's he also said that we were just such a good road team. We played so much better, which is really weird. I mean, our home record was so bad, even in the playoffs, it was so bad. But we found ways to win at home when we played bad in the playoffs. Yeah, and but we were just such a good road team. I think it was just good. Like you know, when you're struggling, when you go through periods of time where you're struggling in your life as a human or whatever you do in the outside of the world besides professional sports, when you get on the road, it, it clears your head because you're closer to the team. You know, you get to talk to the boys. You get to go to dinner with the boys. You get to go have beers with the guys and just really break down to each other. Instead of you're at home and you're breaking down to whoever, your wife, your buddy, text in, and it's just like it's probably for like you too. Sometimes you just need to go on the road to get out of St. Louis and do your best yeah. work. And I thought that's what we did. We did our best work when we were on the road because we were closer to each other. We were, And when we started the season, we started most of the year at home. Think about that. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, that is true. So we started most of the year on the road. So we didn't have any of that bonding time. Mm-hmm. That's why I thought, like, the dad strip, the rookie party, all in one. And then all of a sudden, January 3rd, we beat Florida. We beat Tampa. <laughs> we beat the next team, the next team. And then we finally come home. We... And we're on an 11-game winning streak. And I think that's what we needed. And that's in for the business world. Sometimes guys do best work when they're on the road instead of at home because there's a lot going on at home. Yeah. You have kids. You have wives. You Not to take that away from anyone, but I think it's you, a have distraction. A, you have a distraction at home. And I think that's mm-hmm. wh- why we were so good on the road because we actually came together. We had dad's trip. We had the rookie party. And we got to really – embrace each other because i hate to say it, but sometimes alcohol brings the best out of people that don't talk in the locker room greatest quote ever greatest quote ever whenever this podcast is over that's what i want our signature that's what our signature quote will be sometimes alcohol brings people together so when you guys would just hang out on the road and booze like at dinner yeah just like have a glass of wine but i'm saying like you're not talking about like ripping off shots no ripping off shots (laughs) when you get someone buzzed that doesn't talk much in a locker room who are we talking about here? Uh, can't say names, but um, but I just saying like you get you get a different energy. You yeah, know what I mean, you yeah. get like oh my god, that kid's funny, <laughs> and then he gets to be funny in the locker room. Yeah, because he gets comfortable. He, he gets comfortable, right? Like Ryan uh, uh, Thomas was just sitting there, uh, and he was so quiet in the beginning, of the year, and then he started opening up and. He's just this funny kid. You know, like, <laughs> well, Kachuk probably scared him straight. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Uh, no, but it was just like this cool, cool thing. Like everyone just started opening up, and 
Uh, like I said, though, it's, it wasn't like, oh, my God, we're getting ripped. No, it was just like you have a couple beers and, you know, you have a day off the next day on the road or and you just go out and enjoy it. Yeah. I'm not saying going out. We're just having to eat dinner, having wine, having dinner, and you get people joking around with each other, and then you're like, oh, that's who you are. Yeah. You know what I mean? And sometimes that, that opens up personalities and that when you're happy in the locker room and you have – you're you have that swagger in the locker room. You're going to transfer that in the ice, and people are going to be, you're going to be a different player. And I, that's what I saw. And but yeah, I thought it was a really neat thing that we, the road was just how we. That's who our identity was on the road. We played way better on the road because we got to our game better. We played that dump and chase below the top of the circles, go to the net. You know, second, third opportunities. That's how we played on the road. At home, we try to play this different team. That I think that's what kind of struggled yeah. in the beginning, uh, but the road. I mean, we got to our game and we had a good. We we we're the team that the St. Louis fan base was like, okay, why doesn't that team play at home? And that's why they were probably frustrated. The road stat stands out, and the way you guys would just like wear teams out in the series. Yeah, I mean, you played damn near the maximum uh, with only Winnipeg and and San Jose going six, the other two going seven. And your record in games five, six, and seven throughout the whole thing. I think you only lost two of games five, six, and seven. Six against Boston and uh, six or five, excuse me, against Dallas. So two. So so two games out of so all we five. Did, we beat Winnipeg in, at in, home in, and then in we five won, and six. We we went home and, and six and seven in Dallas. But we beat Dallas in seven. Five and six in San Jose and five and seven against Boston. Yeah. And so I mean that and that just speaks to you guys as wearing teams out. But despite all that, the first like the first three minutes in, in Game Seven against Boston felt like you guys were in your zone. Seemed like it to me anyway. I mean, what do I know? Uh, but then like the next fourteen minutes, I'm just like, oh my god! And Bennington was just in another world. Now that's how, that's what it looked like to us. We're also there were some weird bounces. Didn't know if the ice was messed up at the garden. I have no idea. You know, what are you thinking when Boston's just on that attack, but they're not not beating you guys and getting a goal on the board? Yeah, Bennington, obviously, he was a big reason why we won the Stanley Cup. I didn't really touch on it when you asked me. You asked me about both of them, mm-hmm. the Chief and him. But, I mean, he was our, you know. But besides all that, Jake Allen was an awesome guy between doing what he had to do, being from a starter to back up to Jordan coming in. I and mean, didn't act like a jackass over the situation, as, uh, as I heard. Jake Allen is the best guy you'll ever meet in hockey. The nicest human really cared about Jordan, helped them out through the playoffs, helped them out through the regular season. They had each other's back. And you can see Jake's game elevated, though, when he did play in those back-to-backs. Yeah. I mean, he had three shutouts in a row, I think, or two. He went on, yeah, when he was playing. He had after like that, two. he went on a I tear. Mean, so, like, it was a really cool vibe for that. You know, as you see locker rooms, some goalies can get competitive and be like, screw off right. kind of thing. But Jake stuck with it and put this – difference aside and he they got along so so well and you, you that's the teammate jake allen is and to see someone struggle like that and to see his wife handle the situation to see everyone handle i mean that's that's bigger than you know than anything and for jordan to come in obviously he played lights out he saved our team he's one of the reasons why he saved our team nothing against jake but you know i think jake understood that he played he played unbelievable and the first three minutes of that game seven, I mean, he was making saves. That Marshawn save on the power play, for example, him coming across and just like hit his underneath his armpit and the puck was just laying there. I mean, he did that 
all year for us. And to make that save was amazing. He he got us out of the first three minutes, and then we got back to our game, putting it back in, you know, grinding down low. And the O'Reilly goal was huge, our our line. I just told Sammy Blaze and Bozy, I was like, let's just get it in and just hit these guys and just try to get some momentum in. We try to do that, and then I go for a change, and I think Sammy Blaze puts someone on the bus behind the net. <laughs> and then he puts someone on the bus on the side and then <laughs> kept it in, and, you know, that O'Reilly tip will go down in Absolutely. history for that goal. Getting the first goal is always huge on the road. and Much less after you guys had been on the defensive for about 15 minutes. Yeah, I mean, they just we had were, to suck the air out of that oh, building. Oh, did, and then the, the goal off the rush with Petro. Right. I, mean, I think that... Suck the win out of everyone. Oh there. yeah, and I think it's we, one thing to be down one nothing going in intermission, but two, two and after nothing. but two nothing with like what was it four point seven or seven point four or something yeah. like that. And I think that was a huge goal for us. And um, but it, it, that's just who our team was. Though we would scratch and crawl somehow yeah. and get out of situations that a lot of teams would mentally break down and be like, "Holy cow, get the goddamn puck out of your yeah. zone!" And I'm sure you guys were all saying that too, but. We just kept staying poised, kept sticking with it. Just get it out, get it in the blue line, get it to the red line, and then chip it in. Next line goes out there, do the same thing. Just keep doing that, and then we'll finally get to our game. We'll finally get to our game, and we finally did. And then the second period I thought was one of our best periods of the of the, of the game, I would per se. But, um, you know, we played well. We played simple. We got it in, got it out. You know what I mean? And Bennington made some huge saves again. Mm-hmm. And, um and then the third period, I mean, those saves Bennington made and then those clutch goals we had with Schenner mm-hmm. and Samford, I mean, once it's 3 nothing, then 4 nothing, it's just like, even 4 nothing, you're looking at the clock, still 6 <laughs> And then they score, and then you're like 4-1, you're like, oh, God. And everyone's like, come on, just get to like a minute, then you know it's over. But, yeah, it was it, Bennington played lights out. I mean, he made that save that was 2 nothing on – Noinquist or no Nordstrom, yeah, that kick save, yep, 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 and then we go down and score right yeah. after that. I mean, you kind of knew that was the icing in the mm-hmm. cake, and um, but I think everyone played all four lines throughout the whole playoffs played re- really well, and like I said before, Ryan O'Reilly was untouchable. That fourth line was not even a fourth line; they were a checking line. They competed against the top lines. They scored. They hit guys they did everything that a line needed to do and and i think we got all all four lines and all six d pairing and the goalie on that played just tremendous hockey throughout the playoffs i'm gonna put you in an awkward spot i had uh, cam jansen and reed low in here like a few days after you guys won and they start screaming at each other which could have been over like anything but they started screaming at each other you know good spirited but screaming at each other and and cam is insistent that o'reilly should have won the con Smythe, and reed's insistent that it should have been Bennington. I know you can't go. No, of course it should have been Bennington. You know, but were you guys like, oh, it's going to be O'Reilly? Or what, what are you? What are you thinking when the whole thing's going down? I thought it was going to be Jaden Schwartz. Wow! I got to. I got to bring Cam and Reed back in here now. All three of you guys can yell at each other. How about that? He was sick, man. It, he was, people. People are forgetting because Winnipeg people, happened back back in April. You people know? forget he won Game Six for us against Winnipeg, and he won Game Five for us. Oh in yeah. So that's two hat tricks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he scored. And he scored that big time goal in game f- five against Winnipeg, right? Are we talking about five. Yeah, 
Yeah. In game six, he had that hat trick. Right. And then game five in San Jose, he had that hat trick. So, I mean. Yeah, game five is but I on think, the road. I think what the NHL does, they base it off the Stanley Cup finals. And O'Reilly had, what, five consecutive goals? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Five goals in five games. I think it could have been Schwartz, O'Reilly, or Biddington. Big toss-up, but they all three deserved it. They all three played unbelievable throughout the playoffs. They were kind of our offensive power. Um, you know, Vladdy even even came on strong against Boston, too, and San Jose. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you, could, you can put all four of them in that category, and I think you can put Petro there. Petro played lights out. I mean, but I think with – Hindsight, I think Bennington on O'Reilly because O'Reilly played unbelievable against Boston, and Bennington was just from where we were January yeah. to how he can't handle himself in the playoffs was just amazing. So the Conn Smythe goes to O'Reilly, and then the cup gets handed to Pietrangelo, and then you eventually get your hands on it. Take me back to that moment. Oh, whew. unbelievable. There's a picture of you standing next to the cup. At the Hockey Hall of Fame, right? Like when you're yeah. like 10 or something? Yeah, we were actually in a hockey tournament. Me and my brother, Justin, and we just, my dad's like, you should go. So we went. And a little chubby path there. The um, but it was uh, a really, I couldn't believe it. I was like, holy shit. Can I cuss on air? Of course. This is an absolute free-for-all. Um, I, I've been minding myself just because I feel like it, no. I shouldn't be dropping F-bombs with your son here, although he probably drops them just as much as yeah, I do. so I was like. Everyone was like, whoo, let's go. And I was like, holy shit. Yeah. I can remember just me saying, like, when I left, holy shit. Is this like, <laughs> real life? You guys, and what is, I'm going to use the F word here, fucking rights. What, what is, is that a hockey thing? Is I that a think Canadian so. thing? That's a what hockey is, thing. What is it? Because I'm like, what's everyone, cause ev- screaming? Everyone what? says, fucking rights. And I said, holy shit. Because <laughs> I was just like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> Uh, but it was such a cool feeling lifting that trophy up and then having my my family and my dad. Because my dad's born and raised in St. Louis. He's been watching hockey. We had season tickets. So, like, he lived out his dream with his son. Oh, my God. And he got That's... to live the cup, touch the cup, kiss the cup, lift it. You know, even past this past Saturday, I mean, we got to lift it together. We took family pictures together. My grandma Maroon got to see it. I wish my grandpa Maroon would have saw it. My mm-hmm. grandma, my grandpa Ferrar, my uh, grandma Ferrar. But you know, they're watching above. But it's just my grandma Maroon's from St. Louis, and she got the. I mean, she was crying. I mean, how cool is that? Oh, that's I mean, the she's she's like 88, 89 <laughs> years old. I mean, my dad's sixty three, and it's just like. He got to live out his childhood dream with me. With and, you. And you're good to live out with him. Yeah. You know, with Anthony. With Anthony and Francesca, my fiance, and her dad and mm-hmm. her grandpa that everyone's been waiting 52 years for. And um, I guess Anthony brought the good luck charm to St. Louis. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, it, yeah, it was just weird. Like, um, I just had this feeling um, that we were going to win. I don't know. Because I, I did, too. And a number of people on the now, what do I know? I mean, you know, I mean, you talk about guys this, who can't skate. I'm one of the guys who can't skate. I got I have cut this from everything. Quote, though, it would be. Let's see if I can pull it up. Now, what is this like? You're, you're texting with somebody, or my you said brother something? Phil? Phil's the Nostradamus of the whole thing. Yeah, I can't wait to hear this. I'm a big Phil fan. Are you a oh, big yeah. Phil fan? I'm a big. I find him to be quite amusing. He called me, God, like a few months ago, and he was working on this thing for the All Star Game. We're talking about doing something for it. He's working. That guy's an entrepreneur, man. His so you know how everyone was mad I took number seven? 
yeah, so it's a it's a storied number with it's the organization. Storied number with an organization. Obviously, sorry, Keith. I asked Keith, and what did he say? Because he I, said, "Yeah, of okay. course he did." I mean, it wasn't retired, so right. I felt like obviously it's respect, and I think some of the guys were kind of bad in locker room. That Steiner that played with him, but me and Steiner are close, so he's like, "Okay, get over it now." <laughs> um, but Jolie Mullen Ward, I mean, a lot Gary Unger Ward, I Unger, mean, a lot yeah. of history. So I was just like, you know what? I'm gonna take the risk and see people would get mad but i don't know if they're retiring it though right well they've uh, they did some ceremony a couple of years ago i feel like with all so the here's number what sevens. I said. so what do you got going on here what's going on here maroon also said he'll take a bit of his st louis hockey heritage onto the ice every time he skates for the blues he'll be wearing number seven the number he wore with pride for the bandits quote i thought i'd bring it out of the closet again and bring some history back maroon said we won with that number so hopefully it brings some good luck to st louis back again wow 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 you Babe Ruthed it. I did. <laughs> you Babe Ruthed it. <laughs> so I felt like number seven's always been my favorite number. And I've always won with number seven. If it was minors, AAA, yeah. whatever, roller hockey, North American Hockey League, Junior A. And I just, I never had the chance to wear it in the NHL. And everywhere I went, I wore number seven when I won. So I was like, God. I know this would be disrespectful. I really just want to wear number seven. It's not retired. So I reached out to Keith and asked him. He said, yeah, certainly. Wear it with pride. And I said, yeah, I certainly will. And uh, so obviously we brought history back to St. Louis. And now number seven's now more in the history books yeah. because we won. And <laughs> I hope Keith's not mad at me now that we brought the Stanley <laughs> Cup back. But but I, my brother sent that to me, and I was just like, wow, that gave me the chills. Because yeah. I don't remember saying yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So and I, and I there just, it is. And there it is. And oh. I've just had that feeling that, like, we were going to win. I don't know. It was just a weird – everyone had that feeling. Yes, it's true. Because usually – I mean, I've been doing this show today, actually. It's the 15th anniversary of the show. I've been doing the show. Congratulations. Thank you so much, Pat. The, the, the Blues will go in the playoffs, and it's like – Oh, it's sweet. They're in the second round. Never thinking they're going to win. Like in, like in 01. I'm sure you remember it as yeah, a kid growing up against the Avalanche. And it's like, at that time, it was like the, the Wings, the Devils, and the Avalanche, and the Stars. The only teams that could possibly win. It was kind of like the Yankees-Red Sox era of baseball. And even in 16, when the Blues were there against the Sharks, it like didn't feel like it was really going to And then this year, it's like, God, I, this, this is the Winnipeg series. It's like, they're going to win. I remember when you guys were down 2 nothing. It's the weirdest thing. I've said it to my wife. I think I've said it on the air. When you guys were down 2 nothing in the third period against Winnipeg. And I'm like, I'm so nervous and I'm so stressed. And I'm like, but I know they're going to win the Cup. So somehow, even if they lose Game 5, they're going to win Game 6 and 7. It's a weird thing. It's a very weird thing. Were you guys all feeling this? Were you not? Or It's so superstitious that you would never say, well, we think we're going to win the Cup, so we'll be fine. Like, But, I mean, you're, you're on your way to Boston after losing Game 6 and like, ah, it's fine. We're going to win. No, we you're about said to play that. Game 7 of the I mean, we, would, we would look over, some of us would look over each other like, we're, we can win this. Like, let's, <laughs> we've come all this way. Let's yeah. go win it. Uh, but, yeah, we just had that. Even when I would just be sitting at home, I'm watching the playoffs, and I'm just like, God, we can we're gonna, we can win this. <laughs> and my fiance would look at me. She goes, really? I'm like, yeah, we're, we're going to win this. And her brother came over one night. I'll never forget. We're sitting there talking. Like, who would you rather play? I was like, it doesn't matter because – the way we play, teams hate the way we play, and I think we can wear teams out. Yeah. And I think if if you go looking back, we got to play every other day with the first three series. Yeah. Okay? 
Yep, yep, yep. Different ball game in the Stanley Different Cup Different ball game. Boston, we didn't. So imagine if we played every other day. Oh, yeah. Think about that. Yeah. Think about the way we played. I mean, we basically knocked out San Jose, all their best players. Yeah. Just by just absolutely wearing them down. So, I mean, we wore down Dallas. We wore down... I mean, Dallas stuck it in because they were fast. They had good speed. They had good skill. But, like, they lived and died off that power play, and they had a really good power play throughout the playoffs, and we gave them too many opportunities. But we absolutely wore teams down. And if you can tell from game one to game four, so game one and two against Boston, game one we were this terrible team, and game two we were this, like, unstoppable team Mm -hmm. that just wore them down and just crushed them. Mm Mm-hmm. And then we took two days off, and then did we beat Boston? No, we lost to Boston. Lost that big game three Saturday night. Everybody's all fired up. Fired up, and, and then, then we came out, shipped. and we just yep. warmed down again. Yep. And then we go back to Boston in two days in between, and we played a really good hockey. But mm-hmm. I think if we had them every other day, it would be a different. I mean, Char was hurt. There were so guys, so many guys yeah. were hurt. Patrice Bergeron was hurt. Yeah. Uh oh, Cam Jansen has just walked in the building and he's like, I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> Anthony's happy to see Cam. Pat's kind of staring him down. If I just better scrap. <laughs> yeah, Cam's nuts. <laughs> I think I can take him down. What do you think about the fa- the hair transplants? You like that? Who, Cam? Yeah. Oh, jeez. <laughs> can't imagine. I hope he's getting one. paid for that. <laughs> I hope it's free. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I just think we just. We had all the tools. We had every centerman that can win a draw. Tyler Bozak, rather Ryan O'Reilly, are two best centermen in the game by taking draws. Uh, Braden Shen's obviously pretty good at it. Um, so, I mean, we had the tools. We had the wingers. We had uh, the goal scoring. We had the depth from three to four to one and two. And we had one through four, and then we had the five and six, the bottom two pairing. But... They were good, too. So, I mean, we just had – we had the goaltending at the right time. I think the biggest part was goaltending and playing the style of hockey we played. Yeah. It just all came together. There was a scene, and I think it was in game two, and you go skating by the Bruins bench, and people said Maroon just told them, you guys are so fucked. Is that accurate? Because I was reading, I'm like, I don't think he said that. Not that I would have a problem with it. It's yeah, great if you did. it is. It is accurate. Yeah. You did say that. Why were you saying that? Because you're like, we, we found our game? Oh, well, no, I was just you, tensed. You know, big goal at that time. Yeah. Tied up 1-1. Yeah. And, you know, they were chirping me from the bench. And Who chirped the most? Marshawn? Marshawn was quiet. Was he really? Yeah, he was really quiet. But I think I was hearing it from everyone. I was like, because <laughs> Boston fans think they're the best. And which they are. They're a good fan base. They win all the time. You know, they're, they've are they they've been spoiled with the Patriots, the Red Sox, and the Bruins. I mean, the Bruins only won one since eleven. But they've been back to the Stanley Cup Finals twice since then. Right. They lost twice. But yeah. They're just spoiled fans. And I think the players get into their mindset, too, the fans, and just chirp. And I was like, you guys are fucked. Like, screw <laughs> you. Like, chirp all you want, but we're going to come. We're going to come. Like, I don't know. I was just – I like to chirp. I think I, I'm more engaged when I do that and when people chirp back. But Marshawn was really quiet. and uh, But he's a hell of a player. I mean, guys give him brief. But he's one of the most dominant players in the league, and to do what he does every night, I mean, it's exhausting. Yeah, yeah. It's exhausting chirping guys like that and, like, you know, playing the style he plays and 
the way he does it. I mean, that's to do that every night. That's freaking exhausting. Yeah, yeah. And not only exhausting, but it's exhausting for the opponent and like the guys <laughs> he goes after. I mean, it's mentally draining. Like you come back to the room, you come back to the room and intermission. Like, well, that guy just shot up. Like, give me a break now, man. It's like I can't hear it anymore. And, and that's why guys snap on him. But he plays the game hard and he plays it the right way. And he chirps. Get over it. You yeah. know that's that's the nature of our business. We're allowed to chirp each other and make fun of each other and he does it really good and he puts up 100 points doing it and he scores goals and I mean he's an effective player and I would take him on my team any day of the week. You know there was a time where I actually thought you guys were so fucked was when I saw Carlson <laughs> and I'm talking about not you guys of course your opponent Carlson Thornton and Burns sitting there talking about the hand pass and the way Petro was the only one who talked about it in the room with you guys. Clearly, there was a there was a discussion before the media came in on how to handle that in the way that Bruby handled it. And then I saw Carlson's like, well, we're out there playing hockey. I think it was a good goal. It's, we're not playing handball. And I'm just like, if I know this group of Blues who have been down on the mat so many different times throughout the last four months, they're going to use this, and they are not going to lose another game to these group of guys. That's what I always was think. Was that game four? Game three was the hand pass game, and then you rattled off, and three then you kind of just right? beat the hell out of them, yeah, especially I, in five and yeah, six. Just, you know, we are a team that handled the media uh, really well this this postseason, and um, we didn't, you know, chirp back at the other team. We didn't, you know, give them any intention we were mad. I mean, listen. We shouldn't ice the puck twice. <laughs> Nature of the business. We iced the puck twice, and they scored. Yeah, to tie it. Yep. To tie it. And we should have never been in that position. Yep. So we lost the game, and that's how we looked at it. Yep. So you can't really be like, oh, it was a hand pass. Yeah, but we iced the puck twice for them to tie it. We should have never been in that position. And I'm saying, you know, I, it's a different game when you're out there playing. You, you see what you see, but whatever. We iced the puck. It's, it's not a big deal, and they tie it up. It's still not a big deal, but... They won game three. Okay, we're down 2-1. We still have one more mm-hmm. game to play at home where we can tie it up and go back to San Jose. So it's kind of like why get frustrated and mad about it when there's so much hockey. There's more hockey to be played, and uh, I thought we did a good job of handling that, and uh, the guys did a good job, and Petro certainly did a good job yeah. of handling it, and Chief did too. Yeah. So, um, I feel like the coaches play such a role in setting the tone. Like I feel like DeBoer had gotten his head, and it was just like, wow, man, it's in his head, especially after game five when you guys just beat the hell out of him. I'm like, they're done. He's he's mentally lost it, and I'm sure that sets a tone in the room. If the coach is out there bitching, Cassidy kind of did the same thing with some of the whining. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's to get calls. Maybe they're not really whining. I don't know. But the yeah, way Ruby handled it, I just thought that was so— Because your players see that, yeah, Exactly. Right? Your players see— I'd be lying if players don't look at the media and be like, look at the Chiefs' interviews, look at Cassidy's interviews, mm-hmm. look at Pete DeBoer's interviews. You're you're looking at them. So mm-hmm. if you're looking at them and Chiefs like, oh yeah, we sucked or <laughs> that hand pass sucked and we should have got a better call. No, he handled it the right way. So when we do look at it, be like, okay, he's fine. yeah, he's like, cool. So he's we cool. should be cool. We should be cool. So uh, I thought he did a good job of doing that, and all of us did a good job of handling the situation. I thought it led from leadership with Steiner, Vladdy, and Petro, and Ori, and they did a good job of handling situations and throughout the postseason and even throughout the year when we were struggling down and out. Like, I even remember times like, oh, we're still in it, we're still in it. Like, you know, just a bad hockey game, and you can hear the fans in the back, bad, you guys stink. It's just like, okay, get over it. Like, we have to say something to the media. I know you guys don't want to hear it, but – 
we have to say yeah, something. Yeah, you got to play the game. You got to play the game. It's part of the game, and uh, I thought we did a good job of that. Quick hitters. Bennington. Don't know him at all. Never met the man. I'm not down in the room doing that stuff anymore. But the guy absolutely fascinates me. And I could see, like, you guys, like, there was one time, I think it was you, Petrangelo, and him at the, at the, at the dais. Yeah. And he said something, uh, and you guys just kind of laughed. And I couldn't tell if you're laughing like this guy is insane or this is great because he's a comedic genius. What's going on? No, he's just funny. <laughs> he's just a laid-back guy that um, is really funny. You guys see the dry sense of humor. Uh, he's certainly like that, but he likes that. He likes he likes to have, like, joke around and like, have a good time. He's not this guy that's just like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I made 10 saves tonight. <laughs> and the guy's asking, well, how'd you feel? Good. And you're just like, the guy's just, okay. So it's kind of like, that's that's who he, that's, that is who he is, but there's a different side of yeah, it I mean, that you guys game, won't see. After game six, and you know, the, the goal that sucked, that made it 2-0, the knuckle puck, and somebody asked him about it, did it look like the, you know, what happened on that goal? Did the puck bounce? Yeah good eyes you know <laughs> yeah it's just like that's how he is so yeah, he's a good guy yeah. he's such a good kid and he's determined to make it to the nhl and he deserves that contract he got and uh he's only continuing to work hard the picture with you and bishop shaking hands after the goal and then the st louis the city of st louis flag skating right behind you i assume you have seen that i picture. have seen it just ridiculous i mean yeah that's really neat i i was gonna let it cool down i have i'm gonna blow that picture up and ask bishop to sign it. i didn't want to ask him too yeah, soon. maybe like the day after uh, play so well. I have it already set in stone. It's at the, it's at a place where it's blown up, and uh, I'm gonna ask him. I'm gonna sign it to the right, and he's gonna sign it to the left, and it's gonna be a picture that will go down in history. Yeah, I man. I mean, from an absolute classic, and then the final one. And Anthony, thank you for putting up with this. I, <laughs> I go, I go on so damn long. It's ridiculous. The final one. Are you aware? I remember asking Jim Edmonds this after he hit the home run against the Astros in 2004 in the NLCS. In the moment, I said, are you aware that you are going to see this the rest of your life and you will be a god because of this the rest of your life? And he's kind of like, oh, really? You know, it didn't even... And now 15 years later, you know, and then there's... Still a god. Absolutely. And here you are, only a month and a half removed from winning the Stanley Cup as a St. Louisan. But you, for the rest of your life, will be, are... A god in St. Louis, uh, and, and unfortunately, you still have to deal with Andy Strickland interrupting interviews. Now that doesn't that there's nothing that takes away from that. He's that's always interrupting. <laughs> that still interviews. happens. Uh, that still happens. But yeah, I'm probably going to see that a lot when when I retire and I go to alumni stuff and I go to the Blues games. I'm sitting up top, and if they introduce me during the game, I'm going to see that a lot. Uh, obviously, it's pretty neat. Uh, because when you retire, some people forget about you, right? And to be from St. Louis to win a Stanley Cup, I feel like that's not going to happen. The first one, though. I mean, the, fir- the first that's the one, thing, no yeah. matter what. Even if, if the Blues win it in, in 2020. Even if they want, don't win it again, I feel like, yeah, it, you know, we, <laughs> me and Anthony can barely go eat or go to Six Flags. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, you know, I really cherish these moments. I really embrace the fans uh, coming up and taking pictures and asking for art. I, you know, because... I try to explain to people, you know, take the time to give back to the fans because when you retire, no one really gives a shit about you, to be honest mm. with you. And you were on such a high for so many years, and you had so much success for so many years, and then when you retire, 
it's just like a switch. It's just a switch. It's and no, amazing. No one really, they want to care about the next people and the next generation. So, so I try to explain to people, like, I enjoy these moments. These are moments I'll never forget. You got to cherish these moments with the fans and take the time to really embrace it all because when it's over, it's it's over yeah. and no one cares about you. You know what I mean? And the management doesn't care about you. The teams you played for don't care about you. I'm not saying that disrespectfully. It's the, it's the way that it is. It's just the way to how yeah. it is. And, you know, it's cool that some teams bring back old players and they get recognized. I mean, that they, they do that. Absolutely. Teams do that. But I'm just saying, like, when you're done, your career's over. Unless you're still in the hockey world and you're still in the hockey business. But, like, if you just retire, pick up and leave and kind of go your separate way, like, you're going off to Walgreens or Schnooks. You're not going to get bothered anymore because no one's not going to know who you are. Yeah. Unless you're Wayne Gretzky, Brett Hall, or Jim Edmonds, or Albert Pujols. If, you know, Mike Trout, like, those guys can retire and be like, God, I thought I was over this part of the yeah. game. But but I cherish those moments. I'm going to remember that for the rest of my life. And uh, it's going to be neat seeing that 10 years from now. It still gives me cheer- chills watching that goal, but... Ten years from now, will be even bigger. A god. I mean, that's just the way that it is. It's just the way it you is. You ever talk to Freeze? You ever, do you know I do. I text him back here. Text him here and there. I got the chance to meet him in Anaheim. Uh, really nice guy. He's, we had some uh, uh, a few beers together. When he now he's sober now, but this is before pastime. Yeah. Uh, he's a really nice guy. He really took me in. Took me over to his house. Hung out there and just enjoyed time with him. So he's a really good guy. I mean, only you two can speak to. To this i mean you know two st louis guys t- winning yeah, yeah it's pretty neat yeah man well thank you so much for coming in i've loved this yeah a- anthony you get you get the number one star for sitting <laughs> sitting through this i appreciate it so much uh and congratulations thank i mean you. i know that people say it a million times but for real because i can tell good guy great family and yeah. to do this and go through the hell that you went through in order to get here it's a hell of an accomplishment and uh, to sit here and spend i don't know like an hour and a half with me bsing about it it's great stuff. So, Pat, I really appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on the show. All right. So there it is. Pat Maroon with us here on the Tim McKernan Show. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed doing it. Um, just to, you know, just candidly, you know, I, I said to Pete and Iggy, I said, it's a big get, boys. It's a big get. Um, you know, as time goes on, you know, the it changes, you know, I mean, what was, what was a, what was a big get for this show way back when Mike Matheny, well, that wouldn't be the same deal now. Uh, would Pat Maroon have been a big get seven months ago? No. Um, not nearly as much as after the blues win the cup and he has the goal, I think the moment, I mean, don't get me wrong, Stanley cup final, Stanley cup final, but the moment in game seven of the second round against the stars and to hear, and also, I mean, I, I, listen, when it gets down to it, now that I've interviewed so many hockey players in my career, if a hockey player were to come in and be an asshole, I'd like be floored. So even though we hadn't met before, I it just, because he's a hockey guy, I expected it to be good. I just, it, he was so good and we went so long and he's got his young son here and we're still going and he's still going. And it's just like, you know, they're just the best. They really are the best. The hockey players are just the best. And to get the detail we got, I loved it. I'm dead serious. I think I'm going to go back and I'm going to listen to it just because I was amused by it and uh, entertained by it, informed by it. And uh, and super grateful to Pat for coming in. And especially, I also thought, I'm like, there's no way in the world he's going to do this before he decides what he's going to do next year. And, uh, and yet, 
you know, as we're sitting here talking now, maybe by the time you're listening to this, he's, he's, he's signed with somebody, but as we sat there and did the interviews, you heard, he didn't know what he's going to do. Uh, you know, teams are interested, but you don't know what he's going to do. I know this, uh, guys like Pat Maroon, uh, the kind of guys I'd like to work with, the kind of guy, be a great broadcaster, good guy, super important. And, uh, you know, can just sit and bullshit and amuse you and just down to earth, you know, that's the thing. That's the thing. So the fact that he got to experience what he got to experience, um, you know, you're happy for him because he is a just quality person. And, uh, and he's a God now in St. Louis, all those guys in the 2019 St. Louis blues are gods. It is just the way that it is. And I don't know if they necessarily realize it in the moment, but in 10 years, when they announced the 2019 St. Louis blues, they're going to be gods in 2039, when they announced the 2019 St. Louis blues and half the crowd doesn't remember the games, they're going to be gods. It's just the way that it works. Uh, you're the team that brought the cup to St. Louis, you are gods. And so to have him come in here and bullshit about it for 85 minutes, I'm just really grateful. I feel, I, candidly, I feel lucky that I got to do it, even though I've been doing this shit now for 20 years. Um, I feel lucky that I get to do it and, and to, to bring it to people who I know are listening, who care, and uh, hopefully enjoyed it uh, from a listening perspective as much as I enjoyed it from an interviewing perspective. I always welcome your feedback. Tim McKernan at InsideSTL.com. Questions you have for questions from the audience. And guess what? Uh, email me, Tim McKernan at InsideSTL.com. And guess what? Even if you weren't listening to the podcast back when this was going on, this is important. This is this is your money. Pick six is starting up here in a few weeks. And listen, I'm sure there are a bunch of guys um, – who do podcasts that are gambling podcasts and they're just spitballing. And, and if I were the one making the picks, I'd be like, yeah, if I go 50% against the spread, I'd be thrilled. But last year with the weatherman who is already locked and loaded and sending me season total over under bets. And I probably have to reveal those soon. Yeah. You'll be happy about that gangster Pete. Uh, you're going to want to be listening to pick six. The weatherman became a God. What did he wind up going? 60, was it 65% against the spread? It is right around 65. I mean, 65% against the spread. If we were doing this in Las Vegas, like on a national show, people go, God, what's the weatherman got? And it's random ass shit. I mean, I remember, I don't know how many times we were taking Wyoming. I'm like, I don't know anything about it. I got weird ass uniforms, but uh, other than that, but he's hitting, he's hitting plays. So weatherman's back. I'm, I'm hesitant because I'm like, there's no way he can repeat it, but who knows? I know people will be listening. So that's coming up. So Mondays. Sunday's Monday's when we post our new interviews. Wednesday's questions from the audience. And Friday's pick six. And that'll start up at the end of August with college football starting up. So uh, three podcasts a week here on the Tim McKernan Show. And I'm looking forward. I'm, I'm locked and loaded for questions from the audience because I didn't do one for a couple of weeks while on vacation. I got all kinds of shit to talk about. And I got some really good emails for questions. Anything you want to ask. I'm talking about anything. Send them in. T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com. Uh, tip of the cap to Gangster Pete and to Iggy for getting Pat Maroon on the program. Major thank you to Pat and Anthony for coming in to the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Thank you to our sponsors, Ryan Kelly, the HomeLoanExpert.com, Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies at EvergreenSTL.com. Also, James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency and Johnny Landoff, Chevrolet, Landoff.com, Highway 270 in the Washington Elizabeth Exit, Chevy Fine New Roads, and Seth Goldcamp, Design Air Heating and Cooling, the number one train dealer in the Midwest. It's hard to stop a train there online at DesignAirService.com. And thank you to the audience for getting on board with this thing. 
We started it nearly two years ago, had no idea what the hell it was going to be. And uh, here we are approaching our second anniversary and uh, able to bring you interviews uh, such as this one today. And it's uh, we wouldn't be able to do it without the support of the audience and our sponsors and the fine producers who work and have worked on the program. So thank you. We're looking forward to bringing you more here on the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network.